Hello and welcome to the Thursday, I nearly Mm. said Friday there, (laughs) Thursday the 26th of September edition of the Dugcast uh, with myself, Paul Kavanagh, and today I'm joined by Stuart Ward of The National because it's Calm's Day Off. It's Calm's Day Off, or he's just too big a star now. Well that's uh, because he was starring role in the the television Mm. last night. But no, we're actually doing it early today because I'm away to Aaron tomorrow to Mm. do a talk on Scottish languages. So I'm quite looking forward to that. I can talk for a whole hour and not mention Brexit. <laughs> That's a rare treat in these. Just I'm really looking forward to that. So Aaron's great as well. But yeah, uh, back to Brexit. Mm. It's been a interesting week. It's been a quite a week again. Mm. Um, we sometimes I wish it was boring and there was nothing to talk about. You know, um, it would be so much easier for our I deadlines. Kind of long for it. <laughs> where's the security and stability of? The United Kingdom mm. that they promised us, you know. It's I don't wild. know about you, but I'm not feeling very stable or secure. Funnily enough, neither am I. Yeah. So, yeah, so, first big event, of course, was the court case. Yes. On Tuesday. And the Supreme Court ruled that the government was unlawful to prorogue Parliament. But they went further than that. They actually mm-hmm. ruled unanimously that the, the prorogation was unlawful. Uh, but they also said that it was null and of no effect. Yes, as if they'd walked in with a blank sheet of paper. Exactly, yep. And she was wearing a big statement spider brooch yeah, absolutely. at the time, Lady Hale, as she said it. So, <laughs> and apparently uh, someone had put on Twitter a couple of days before that if she's wearing a big spider brooch, it means that she's going to eat. She's, oh. going, to, she's going to eat a QC. That's what that means. <laughs> And indeed she did. And indeed she did, yeah. So they ruled, basically, it it was a much stronger verdict, I think, than anybody. I don't think many expected unanimous. No, 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 no. There was always a couple that they thought, well, they're going to side Mm. with the government. Um, I think when, before the case actually came to court, uh, there was a kind of a lazy assumption on the part of the Metro Commentaria yes. in London that, of course, no, of course they'll uphold the English mm-hmm. Supreme Court, uh, the English High Court, and and not that silly little diddy court up mm-hmm. in Scotland, you know, but obviously they took the the part of the court recession. I mean, it's so often this is the most revealing when this happens, when, it, you know, when, it, when a Scottish court makes a ruling like this, the amount of people who then say, well, it's just, it's not, they can't do that. Yeah. Into that to the UK government in yeah. Scottish court. How dare they overrule us? Mm. Yeah. And there was a lot of people, uh, F off Scotland. Yes, on that, Twitter, exactly. Yeah, mm. Because of it. How dare they? How dare they? But I think that helps us in a way mm. uh, with the independence narrative because it, it, it reduces opposition in the rest of the United Kingdom to mm-hmm. Scottish independence because there's now. A significant body of opinion in England which feels that Scotland is standing in the way of what England wants yep. or what they perceive England to want even though of course England is very divided on the question of Brexit um, so they're now thinking well maybe we'd be better off without Scotland you mm-hmm. know, because there's, Scotland is a block a block on the road to Brexit So, but what was really shocking I think even more than that judgement was the way the government responded to it. Yes. Not right. a, not an apology, even a hint of one. No, no, no. They actually blamed the opposition parties. They were trying to take the moral high ground. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, the, the the real crime here, as far as Boris Johnson was concerned, it wasn't that he'd broken the law. <laughs> it was that people had dared to try and hold him to account for yep. it. And it was, it was a shameless performance. 
Oh, shameless performance. And I think that isn't going to play well in Scotland, that kind of arrogant bully boy, posh boy tactic. I mean, it might play well with certain voters south of the border, but I think it's not going to go down well in Scotland at all. No, it just just comes across as so out of touch. And, I mean, that whole, the whole session yesterday, it, it was just... I just felt like a farce, you know, the whole... That was shocking, actually. I mean, this... Jeffrey Cox was bad enough, mm. you know, and he, he, he was like... It was like someone had got a hold of a, of a, of a second-rate buying blessed impersonator <laughs> and, and forced them to have a shave, you know, and he was just bloviating his way, and, uh, you know, this booming baritone uh-huh. voice and talking completely sort of guff, mm-hmm. basically, you know, and just kind of steamrolling... Steamroad rolling, you know, people into, you know, how dare you try and hold the government to account? You've got no moral authority, blah blah. But excuse me, you're the one that broke the law. Mm. It was your advice. It was his advice. It was your advice that made the government broke the law. You don't know your job, mm. you know. And then he had the cheek to say that, you know, if he would have to, why should he resign? Because if he had to resign, then all these, you know, that means that the, the, the. the, the the, the court, the first judge in Scotland would have to resign, and the, the, all the judges in the High Court in England they would have to resign as well because they got the law wrong as well. Yes. You know, and it was utterly brazen. It's a, just a tantrum. Yeah, mm. just brazen contempt. Mm-hmm. And then we had Michael Gove, who was just um, loathing him more and more. It's unbelievable. Actually, I mean, I know he's no particular fan of this newspaper. He's certainly not. <laughs> You're very quick to fall for fake front pages of it as well. Yes. Yeah, but he, he just oozed contempt Mm -hmm. you know it it was smug it was glib he was playing to the Tory back benches but what was really alarming I thought about that particular performance in some ways I thought it was worse than Geoffrey Cox's because he was being Michael Gove was being asked some really serious questions about the state of preparedness of the government for a no deal Brexit this is people's jobs Livelihoods, indeed, lives mm-hmm. are at stake. I mean, there was that doctor just a couple of weeks ago who said that, and has a professional opinion. You know, people's lives could be at risk with a No Deal Brexit because of the supply chain for medicines. And Michael Gove was just making cheap one line one liners about, you know, Jeremy um, Corbyn and playing to the Tory gallery and not answering any question and not even trying to give any kind of semblance that he grasped the gravity of this situation. You know, it's, the, the, as far as he was concerned, the, the biggest thing that was at stake was some sort of debating cup prize for a student. That's really what said. Them, mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. That's how they approach it. And it was shocking. Mm-hmm. It was really shocking. And this is the bloody government of the United Kingdom here. There was a point where you know, he said the SNP, I can't remember the football, yes. but putting sectarians, sectarian arguments yeah, ahead, you know, of, ahead of Excuse me. You, you, this is the this coming from the guy whose party colleagues in Scotland dog whistle to, mm-hmm. to to the Orange Order, accusing the SNP of sectarianism. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just and it, 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 it was gobsmacking. Absolutely. It really was gobsmacking. Their sheer utter contempt, you know, for democracy, for the rule of law, for anybody that disagrees with them. You know, this is a minority government. You know, they they have no mandate to get through no. you know, their, their, their policy and yet they seem to think that the biggest crime is people daring to hold them to account 
mm-hmm. and then of course we had Boris Johnson who was just my god you know, I mean what did you think of his performance it just you know it just it just screamed someone who's just just thinking about his own politics the whole time he just as you've seen it's the same thing where this isn't someone who's actually interested in you know a responsible approach to this in any yeah. way shape or form so do you think he's do you think it's a deliberate strategy? I mean, I do, but I, I don't think they're very good strategists. Well, yeah. I think I think they, they've kind of fancied themselves. You know, I think this whole prorogation thing. I mean, it screams to me they've been in a room and kind of patting each other on the back. Oh, we've got oh, this. Yeah, this yeah, is genius. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well done, boys. Well done. Uh, exactly, yeah. and just gets to Anna Cherry, takes them to the Supreme Court, and, and they get the floor wiped to them. So yeah, I think it's always with them. They think they're playing some big game, and yeah. they're just. They're not. They're not yeah. good enough to do it. Oh no, they're definitely inadequate, and I've been mm-hmm. showing up for it. But no, I think what with him, this I think there's a deliberate strategy of trying to make out that he's and this is this is an upper middle class, extremely wealthy, Etonian educated second cousin of the Queen, mm. and he's trying to make out that he's the populist man of the man people, of the people against the judges, know, against the against parliament. the judges, against Parliament. And I think he's stoking up some very divisive and dangerous language. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean the way he responded to the question at Joe Cox as well. Yes, I mean, that was shocking. Just that that was utterly shocking. I mean, he said when you know MPs that an MP has actually been killed, mm-hmm. and other women MPs, you know, it's particularly an issue for women MPs. It seems that they they seem to get more attacks. That the death threats and threats of violence and he just called it humbug mm-hmm. he doesn't care you know and it's all very well for him with his you know security detail and special branch to protect him but you know the rest of them don't have that no you know so they feel very vulnerable in a way that he doesn't have to bother about but if it's not an issue for Boris it's not an issue for anybody That's he it. doesn't care mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know but his, his arrogance and his contempt were just in full flow mm-hmm. last night and it was a shocking display and he's really I think brought you know he shredded what little was left of the dignity of his office mm-hmm. so I think this is more grist to the mill I think for those of us who want Scottish independence because he's really showing up the bankruptcy of the British state. Yeah, and, and, and the fragility of it without a written constitution as well just now is is becoming quite apparent. Yes. Um, and obviously, you know, I, I know we have a, a Sunday column every week that says we need, to, we need to have a written constitution in Scotland or something like that, but, I mean, you just look at the way he's running over everything just now and being able to run over so much of it. Well, I think, I can't remember who it was, but it was... Uh, somebody pointed out in an article not that long ago that in the United Kingdom we are actually in the ridiculous situation because we don't have a written constitution that it is actually possible for an action of the government to be unconstitutional but not illegal <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and that's that's nonsense uh-huh. that's just I mean, obviously in a written when there's a written constitution if it's unconstitutional by definition it's illegal but that's not where we are in the United Kingdom no. because we have this collection of conventions and precedents and tradition as and laws as well mm-hmm. but what it means is that when you have someone as shameless as Boris Johnson you know if he doesn't feel bound to follow precedent and convention there's actually nothing that you can do to make mm-hmm. him do it mm-hmm. you know and, and it, but Theresa May had started that 
I mean, she was. She did that too. I mean, she kept coming back to. There was always the convention. It wasn't a law. It wasn't a rule. You know, it was a convention that if a government was defeated on its main platform, its main policy, that the government, the, the prime minister, would tender the resignation, and there would be a vote of no confidence. And she just kept coming back. Mm-hmm. She just kept coming back with the same policy. You know, trying to ram it through. So Boris Johnson has just taken that authoritarian tendency and amplified yes. it. And I'm curious as well, um, so obviously there's a lot of talk about whether there'll be a vote or no confidence or whether it should be called a lot of the parties are waiting till there's an extension. Yeah, they're waiting till after the 19th of mm. October. Just, what do you think of that? What do you think right, the well, is here? It's not that they're afraid of an election at all. Mm-hmm. Certainly the SNP is not afraid of an election. No. No, certainly not. Um but they don't want to give Boris Johnson an election on his terms mm-hmm. and at a time to, that suits him because they don't trust him. And quite rightly, he's mm-hmm. a proven liar. You know, he is not a man who can be trusted at all. And if there is an election at his time and his choosing, then he can use that to drive through a no deal Brexit. You know, I mean, it's very obvious that what he wants is an election because of the way that the British electoral system operates. It is perfectly possible for him to end up with a majority in the Commons on 30% of the popular vote. Mm -hmm. So that's what he knows. He only needs 30% of the vote and he can get a majority in the Commons and he can drive through a no-deal Brexit despite the fact that possibly as many as 65% of the population potentially is opposed to it, you know. And he knows that, and that's what he's going for. And that's why I think he's practising these politics of division and trying to stir up his base into this frenzy of, you know, it's the people against Parliament, you know, and and he's throwing a few other kind of populist measures into the mix as well about, oh, there'll be more funding for the police and, you know, and, you know, teachers can be a lot more assertive with pupils and, you know, this kind of right-wing populist stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And I think we're actually entering into very dangerous territory now in the United Kingdom. I think democracy is not safe in the United Kingdom. And it's, it's 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 getting very dark and very worrying. And I honestly never, I mean, even though I was always someone who had a very low opinion of the British state and British institutions to begin with, I honestly never thought it would get this bad, yeah, this quickly, mm-hmm. you know. And I think now it's the point where independence is now a moral imperative. Yes, you know, we have to get out of this because. The only way that we can guarantee democracy in Scotland is with independence. And that certainly wasn't an argument that we had to make in 2014. Mm, it's, it's quite a unique <coughs> to that, isn't it? And, you know, it's such a stark contrast in Scotland. There's bills going through to expand the amount of own franchise. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're seeing in Westminster just, as you say, contempt for democracy. It's just, it's pretty bad. So... Anyway, we have this election coming up. Um, it looks as though the SNP could do particularly well in it. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know when the election's going to be. What we do know is that it's going to be, I would say, that November at the very earliest. Uh, I think that the opposition parties are waiting for this um, European summit, which is on the 18th, no, aye, the 18th of October, 17th, 18th of October. So that's when there has to be a request for an extension to Article 50. Um, they are wanting to box him into a position where he either resigns 
or he breaks the law mm-hmm. um, he's at the moment saying he's not going to do either of those uh, just yesterday in the parliament he was asked if he would ask the EU for would he obey the law and ask for an extension and he said no you know, and so the question is is he prepared to nakedly break the law because then it's, it's one thing breaking the law with the prorogation of parliament because there's no penalty for that no. You know, mm-hmm. the penalties in parliament but if he breaks the law uh, you know the Ben Act and he doesn't ask for an extension to article 50 when he is legally obliged to do so then he could be found in contempt of court and there could actually be sanctions mm-hmm. against him and we're, we're now getting into kind of weird wild uncharted territory yeah and the stakes are high just never I mean can you imagine that we would be talking about this just like a, even six months ago that uh-huh. that we would be in a position where we're actually discussing whether or not the British Prime Minister would break the law and risk going to jail. And going to jail. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It's, it's what? And this is now normal in British uh, politics. <laughs> talking about this kind of stuff. Uh, God, I mean, I just think how many times they said get on with the day job to Scotland and stuff like yeah. that. And wish, <laughs> wish we could. Like, wish they could. It's unbelievable. So, aye, so we have this election coming up. Mm. I think if... I mean, it's very obvious what the opposition parties want to do. They want to force him into having to make that Hobson's choice of either resign or ask for mm-hmm. an extension um, if he refuses to ask for an extension there are ways that Parliament can ensure that an extension is requested anyway um, you know there's the, the the court case that Joanna Cherry has got going to the court session just uh-huh. now mm-hmm. uh, there's been a lot of discussion about how you actually pronounce it nobile officium that one nobile officium it actually depends on your Latin Oh yeah, it does because there's different pronunciations of Latin. There's different schools of pronunciation of Latin. This is my my linguistics nerd mm-hmm. coming in here. Classical Latin would have been nobile officium, but church Latin would be nobile officium. I think we need to do this as a separate kind of mini podcast. A whole thing about how you pronounce Latin. I think I'm not actually sure what the 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 school of Latin pronunciation favoured by Scots law is mm. I couldn't actually tell you maybe our readers can send us that in letters at the national.scot if anyone right. if anyone knows um, but no no exactly no please don't <laughs> <laughs> but no I just said that there was I did a blog article actually had a Latin title it was uh, it was just after you know the, the, the it was just after the court session. Oh God! <laughs> and I said it was uh, it was the, the the ruling that they'd made was Mendax Mendax Brac Mendax Mendax Bracai in Igne. That's what it is, which is liar liar pants. Lunch. God, it's Tom. So accurate, unfortunately. And anyway, uh, so mm. I nobile officium, which That's is a special power of the Scottish yes. courts, which doesn't exist under English law, I understand. And that is that under certain extreme circumstances where you believe that a law is going to be broken and you have reasonable belief that the law is going to be broken and there is no other remedy, mm-hmm. then the court can step in to ensure that the law is adhered to, mm-hmm. which means that we could actually see Boris Johnson refuse to ask for an Article 50 extension, but an, a clerk of a Scottish court <laughs> <laughs> do it instead. Yeah, that would be, I mean, just the reactions. That would just would be gobsmacking. Stunning. Uh, that I mean. would be gobsmacking. Um, however, I believe there are there were rumours that Parliament might try, now that they're back in session mm. again, 
that they could maybe pass some sort of law saying that if the Prime Minister refuses to ask for an Article 50 extension, they could empower the Speaker to do it instead. Where's our sense of drama? So, I know, I know. I'd rather have some wee woman that works in the court. <laughs> I'd rather she did that. would be much better. I'll make for a better documentary when this comes five years down the line. Definitely, definitely. I'd ask for me to extend So, I So, it's just mad. Mm. Basically, British politics is just mad at the moment. But I think that, I mean, I think it's a safe bet there's going to be an election within the next month or two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. And, and I mean, we know for our splash today was obviously the Tories had put in an FOI to yes to find out yes whether there'd been any preparations for. I saw it was spun in a very different way in in, in another newspaper mm. <laughs> than it was in yours. Yeah, I mean, it's such a, anyway. The Tories put in this FOI and found out there's actually preparations kind of going on for right. for Scotland becoming an independent state in the civil service here and. The Tories were furious, but we were like, no, that's excellent. Well, yeah, responsible. Doing the day job. Uh, you know, uh. actually, they're actually preparing for things, mm. unlike a certain government in Westminster. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it, it, it's reassuring, given what we've just talked about for the past 20 minutes. So what was the preparations? I mean, I just had time to skim mm. over it quickly. So it's kind of, I mean, we don't know, I think, the exact kind of details, but it's very much just a case of... Um, of, of of as evidence and this is we're going to we're talking while we're dealing with this other stuff that's a nightmare with Brexit we're going to also be looking at how you know the just the transition between Scotland becoming an independent state and, and and how we make that move if it's an, if it's a yes vote and I think they also said if there's a no vote they'd be looking at the kind of outcomes of that really? so I'm pretty sure there will be a yes vote though the next time mm. I'm a lot more confident than I certainly was in 2014 mm-hmm because of the way that, you know, the disaster that's unfolding down south. Because I was very struck by uh, Progress Scotland's reports from people who were no and are now Mm -hmm. shifting to undecided or to yes. And none of them were talking about being persuaded by, you know, the, the case for... You know no. the currency, or the case for a, a case for independence. They were all talking about how fed up they were mm-hmm. with British politics and how they'd lost faith in it, and they felt that they were being betrayed and let down, and the promises that they were made in 2014 hadn't been kept. That's what they were talking about. And I think the more that this, you know, mess continues in Westminster, the more that that point is rammed home. Absolutely. I mean, I've said before, I'm no to yes myself, and it's just, I just, I cannot imagine. I mean, really, since 2014, it's only went in one direction. Oh, yeah. It's only went in one direction. And and so often as well, I think, the one of the maybe things I missed a little bit is how strong and coordinated the activist base is now as well. Oh, yeah. Well, well, that's a huge difference between now and 2014 because in 2014, the grassroots movement only really started to get going in the summer Mm -hmm. of 2014. Mm -hmm. The campaign itself had actually been running. I mean, it was an 18-month-long campaign. I don't think there'll be an 18-month-long campaign the next time. Um, But now they'll be going into it up and running. Mm-hmm. You know, there's already this grassroots movement, this grassroots network, and they're already they're experienced. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're they're seasoned campaigners in a way that they weren't in 2014. So, so it's definitely. I think that's something that's factoring into the calculations of opponents of independence because they don't have anything remotely compatible. Not to even that, close. You know. So, but what do you think is likely to happen with this famous Section 30 order? This is, yeah, I mean, this is just... 
I mean, so last night, I mean, Boris was again kind of saying, just not saying no, but also very much not saying yes. Really? And I thought he said it was a once in a generation. He said that a couple of times, yeah. Um, Actually, when Alex Salmon said that in 2014, I thought, yes, a stick that they're going to beat us mm, with. Even though, yeah. I wish he hadn't said that. But I just, yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoy listening to these podcasts and hearing you and Cam talk about it as well, because it is just such a situation where it's so tricky and... I, yeah, I, I, w- I don't. I'm not a huge fan of the Plan B stuff. Really? Um, but we do need a Plan B of some sort. So you think that there's still more mileage in Plan A? <laughs> this is the problem. <laughs> I don't feel there maybe is. I don't feel there maybe is. I'm just. I, I, I'm, I just have to defer on this one because it's just. Really? See, I mean, the way I think, I think we're getting near the end of the Plan A road, uh-huh. right? Asking for a Section 30 order. I think it will all depend on what happens after this upcoming election, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that will change the electoral landscape in Scotland. Yes. You know, the, at the moment we have got the likes of Joe Swinson, who was just on the telly the other day. Um, strangling some vowels <laughs> saying yes. that um, the SNP lost all these seats they lost was it mm. 25 seats that they lost I can't remember how many they lost um, 21 seats however many they lost a significant number of mm-hmm, seats mm-hmm. in 2017 and so you know there's no appetite for independence yeah. referendum and obviously if the SNP put those seats back on again it says that you know if we, they mm. end up with 50 seats you know then it's, the likes of Joe Swinson can't say Nobody wants Scotland wants an independence referendum, particularly if the SNP, as they seem to be, uh, a bit more assertive about putting the case for independence in their actual campaign material. Yeah. You know, we are campaigning for Scotland to have the right to choose its own destiny here. You know, that's what's got to be the message. Yeah. They can't hide from independence the way they tried to hide from it in 2017. You know, they, they weren't wanting to talk about independence mm-hmm. and they were coming in without. Crappy it was weak. stronger for Scotland. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. what does that mean? All parties want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, all of them will say that. You know, yeah, it's yeah. not unique. You know, so you need a unique message, and that unique message can only be: we are the only party that will give the people of Scotland a say. I mean, the thing. What do you? Th- I mean, they have this triple lock already, obviously. Yes, a but all the kind of opposition politicians, Rachel Leonard, Joe Swinson, are saying the people of Scotland need to give them a mandate. They, they for some reason, just ignore that. Do you think? Oh, yeah. Do you think if if there was that, you know, well, there's probably going to be a massive win for the SNP in the next ele- general election. How do you think the unions politicians will react to that? I don't continue to try and find new excuses to ignore mm-hmm. it. You know, uh, Moika says they've already there is a mandate already, mm-hmm. and they've found an excuse to ignore it that the SNP lost seats. So the the SNP will do really well in this next election, and they'll find some other excuse. But the point I think is that in order for a plan B to work. Mm-hmm. We have to take. It's all very well, like the the likes of you and me, mm-hmm. saying you know we should call an independence referendum right now, this minute, because we would crawl over broken glass mm-hmm, to go and mm-hmm. vote yes, you know. But there's not enough people like that, you know. There's an awful lot of people that are kind of maybe I, maybe no, I'm not sure. There's a lot of people that are swithering. There's a lot of people that are on the verge of making the decision to vote yes, but they're not there yet. And I think they will only they, they have to be convinced that absolutely everything has been done to get Westminster to play ball with Scotland, you know? And it's only when that has been completely exhausted that those people will say, well, yeah, I will support 
a plan B. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, you know? that's well argued. Mm-hmm. So they would support something like um, there's two basically there's two things that you, the SNP can do, the Scottish government can do, in the face of a con- continued refusal to give a Section 30 order, and that is um, a, a referendum without a Section 30 order, which would be a consultative referendum. It would certainly be challenged in the courts, mm-hmm. but there's a Anybody that says a section th- a referendum without a section thirty order is illegal is not giving you a legal opinion. No, they're giving you a political opinion mm-hmm. because the matter has never been tested in the courts. You know, and I th- and think Andrew Tickell is one of our comments, and obviously on all uh, legal matters is often keen to stress that. Yes, know. yeah, I think he said pretty much that. I wouldn't want to put words into his mouth, but yeah, I think he's. he's uh, no one has tested that in the courts. Mm, exactly. You know, exactly. so we don't know. What the law is with mm-hmm. that, it's untested legally. And there is a good argument that you can make that, you know, it's a consultative referendum, so it doesn't impinge on reserve powers because we're just asking the people of Scotland what their opinion is, mm-hmm. but it's then up to Westminster to act. So it's not, you know, once we determine what the opinion of the Scottish people is. So there's a, there's an argument to be made that this doesn't impinge on reserve powers because it's not actually a referendum which is going to change the constitution. Mm-hmm. Westminster retains that power. So anybody that says it's an illegal or it's a wildcat referendum, <laughs> or illegal, they're talking bollocks. That's a political yes. opinion, not a legal one. You know, so there's that. There's one possibility. My concern about that one has always been the state of the media mm. in this country. They tried it in Catalonia, that kind of referendum. Uh, in Catalonia, though, half the population supports independence, like Scotland does, but half the media does as well. Mm. Whereas it's the honourable. You, you are the honourable <laughs> exception here to yes. a barrage of anti-independence media mm. and we don't have control of the broadcast media in Scotland no. either. So what my concern is with that kind of strategy is that all we would hear from the likes of the BBC and it would go unchallenged on them is people saying oh but it doesn't even matter mm-hmm. if you vote, even if you do support independence there's no point in voting. Mm-hmm. That's all we'll hear you know. So that leaves the other strategy which is a plebiscite election and then you're going into an election saying we're not standing for election for a mandate for asking nicely for a section 30 order we're asking for independence and see how that goes so but I think fundamentally um, Westminster's going to have to be forced one way or another you have to present them with a fait accompli mm-hmm. they're not going to respond to asking nicely you know, and that's what concerns me about the strategy of the Scottish government is asking nicely. Now, I accept that we're not at the end of the asking nicely road. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still a bit of mileage in that, but I think it will, if, as we all hope, that there is a large majority of SNP MPs, and it's got to be SNP MPs in the next election because the first past the post system, they are the only pro independence party that's got any chance of getting elected. Mm-hmm. So if you're a, an independent supporter, you need to vote SNP, basically, in the next election. Um, the, even though they will be empowered with a mandate in the parliament, which has got the actual power to alter the constitution. So, I mean, I've always thought that there's more of a mandate for asking for an independence referendum in Westminster than there is in Holyrood because it's Westminster that's got the power over the constitution. Mm. So if we send a large majority of MPs to Westminster on saying that we voted for them to, for a mandate for an independence referendum, that's a stronger mandate than, mm-hmm. than Holyrood. 
because it's Westminster is the parliament that actually has the power to do that. So Scotland will have spoken very clearly yes. that it wants an independence referendum. But if a Westminster government is still refusing to allow that, then I think it's time that we need to start looking at plan Bs. Mm. I think that's a good point. But we're in for very interesting times. We are. And if we can just one little thing before we wrap up as well. Um, the papers was on last night. Yeah, day. you were on the telly. I was on the telly, yes. Went doing a podcast in this very room. And did you really? Certain Richard yes. Walker. Um, yeah, what did and you say? Making your face as well. Making my face, yes. Which is good to follow you to your grave. I've now. had a few friends message me. <laughs> 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 with that yeah. Yes. Stuart um, was making a sort of a grimace. On the, on, I don't know, what was that about? I, I honestly have no doubt. You know, there was one point where they made me read out um, tweets from unionists, some mean tweets from unionists. Oh, I'm right. wondering whether it's maybe that. Oh, yeah, it could be. Um, but, but, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe it's payback for all the, the nasty articles like, I've written about the BBC. Could be, yeah. It's like, we want to torture you now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Here, look, here's some, here's some horrible things that people have said about you. We want you to read that out on camera. <laughs> the unionists would never have trolls in Twitter, don't we? Oh, so, no, yeah. never, never, never. They do things like that. It's only cybernets. It's only cybernets. Yeah, it's only yeah. But, yeah, no, I mean, I thought, I mean, it was, yeah, it was the second episode last night, and um, obviously a lot more about the job cuts and. Yeah. And, uh, um, what did you think watching it? Well, I, I think the national came out of it quite well, mm-hmm. actually. Um, certainly, the, 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 there was a lot of emphasis on how well the national performs digitally, which mm-hmm. is really good. And I know that the paper is has a very strong digital brand, which mm-hmm. is, and I think really that's probably the future. That's the way to go mm-hmm. with newspapers because we all know that you know newsprint is is a dying trade and. Well, not dying, but it's definitely, you know, circulation figures are plummeting. Yes. I mean, I remember, you know, long before you were born, <laughs> uh, you know, like, like the Daily Record, its circulation was numbered in the millions. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, and I think now, I think, well, I don't know what the circulation of the record is, it's about 100,000, 200,000, so something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the circulation of the Evening Times, which used to be in the, they actually mentioned this in the, in the programme last night I mean back in the 80s everybody bought an Evening Times mm-hmm, mm-hmm. everybody in Glasgow Greater Glasgow bought an Evening Times you know um, and their circulation was numbered in the hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. you know even though it's a local newspaper and now it's what it's, it's I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but yeah, yeah it's, 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 well, we said it on the telly last night, right? so yeah, you must be allowed to say it. It's, yeah, it's definitely lower. It's, <laughs> it's a lot lower than that now. So, but so we know that the mm. print business is is in difficulty because that, that kind of generation that you know they, they, they bought a newspaper every yes. day is kind of dying off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think I think Cam has mentioned this before as well. I, the documentary was really well made. I think we'd all agree with that, and obviously we were really happy with it. Um, in the second episode, it can understandably focus more on the Evening Times and Herald. Um, but, you know, the National's print is going up. Yes. Uh, digital subscriptions are going up. I think it's hard. What is it now? It was on the front pages. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, I think we're at 7,668. Yeah. Um, which is. 8,000 8, now. Which, so. which will, when we do that, we'll launch a unionist fact checking service. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. So get, I mean, on, it, subscribe. Yeah, subscribe. And we're still trying to persuade them to get more, more dog toys. I'm made. amazed we haven't. So, yeah. um, that's a must. <laughs> but it, yeah. you know it's it's, it's uh, you know obviously the documentary couldn't do this it didn't have time to go into this level of detail but I think it's worth mentioning as well you know so much of the national strength just now comes from the fact its base is the yes movement and it's yeah. so strong and so well, committed exactly. and so yeah. active and that really enables us to do a lot 
Well, I, I, I think you know we see that because, like, I, you know, I do a lot of the, the road show mm, absolutely with, with Richard, and and there's always a really, you know, people come out on on, on a wet Wednesday, mm-hmm. you know, to. To, to, to listen to a newspaper talking. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's really you interesting, know, isn't it? There's definitely an engagement with its readership that I think other newspapers mm, can, can only envy. That's it. You know, and um, I think that's a real strength that the Nationals got. And, um, yeah. and it is, you know, it's a real testament to the hard work of, you know, I'm coming across as right, Arsler came out. He's not here today, so we can see yeah. But no, but to testament to the work of Richard and Callum mm. and yourself, you know, and the whole team that that launching a newspaper in you know the twenty first century was always seen as a kind of a quixotic venture, mm-hmm. you know, something that was doomed to failure. And yet, five years on, you're still here, you know, you're still putting on, you're actually bucking the trend mm-hmm. and putting on readers, you know, and that's that's an amazing achievement. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, I think part of it as well is our drive is, is, is part, you know, when we do these supplements and stuff with busting better to go live, yeah. you know, it's really a case of, it's very easy to do because, you know, you're, you're A, doing it as, um, because that's what people are paid for in effect, and you're also doing it because you want to get those out there, and you, well, exactly. you really want people yeah. to give one to a friend. Well, I think it's all about the dog toys myself. I, th- I mean, and they definitely boost their subscriptions. <laughs> <laughs> There's no denying that. I keep getting people asking me where they can buy them. It's, uh, I just, I just, constantly, I'm constantly getting people saying, "Can I buy one? I need to buy. One. I want to buy one. I want to buy one." It's like, oh, sorry, I don't. I don't <laughs> have any. I've got one, and it's mine, and I'm not giving it to you. We do. We do need to get more. So yeah, it's only a matter of time until the one from this office, from this little podcast room here gets gets stolen. I feel they're such a high value target. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was one that was. Uh, I did an event a while ago, and they were, they were actually raffling it off as the top You're prize. You're kidding, really? Raffling it as a dog <laughs> they, they wanted me to sign a wee card and put the dog pop. Oh, in that's yeah. lovely! That's such a good so idea. That was that was a top prize in the raffle. Was a uh, stuff a wee it's ginger dog toy. The paw print. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. So they're collectors' items now. Mm, so if you've got one, you know, cherish that's that. A, exactly. I'll put it on eBay. I'll put it on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I think that's probably I us. I think that uh, is. I'm off to Aaron tomorrow, which is what I said at the beginning. That's why we're doing this talk today and not tomorrow. Mm. Uh, tomorrow, I'm away to give a talk on the history of Scottish languages. And so. Aaron, uh, it's in the Pavilion, I think it's called, uh, in Brodick. Uh, it starts at seven half, for half past seven. That's uh, tomorrow evening, and I'm really looking forward to not talking about it's going to be amazing. You're going to love every second. <laughs> well, I like Aaron. I've been there a couple of times, and it's a real hotbed of yes. Uh, isn't it's got a ha- really high? Oh yeah, yeah, it? yeah. They were like when I was over before. Uh, I've been there a couple of times. Uh, I did a talk myself for like the local yes group, mm-hmm. and then I was over uh, speaking for the 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 burn supper for the local SNP branch as well. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm couple of years ago and they were telling me that they because obviously it's part of North 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 Ayrshire yes so the ballots are all lumped in the North Ayrshire but when they were doing the count you know they had people at the count and they knew which boxes had come from Aaron mm-hmm. and they said Aaron was about 60% yes yes okay. you know, Aaron uh-huh. had a really strong yes vote and you can definitely see it on the island you know, that there's a very active invisible yes movement mm. over there so that's beautiful so I really like Aaron mm. I really it's like be a treat. so I'm looking forward to it tomorrow tomorrow I'll be reading the Sunday National and getting that prepared so well I will look forward to seeing it on Sunday hope so okay then so until next week until uh, next bye week. thank you everyone bye